Unshaken is a discipleship podcast that exists to edify and encourage all believers in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the Apostle Paul writes, Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. By His divine power, Jesus has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So let's consider together how we might spur one another on towards love and good works. Join us as we talk about various topics, including the work of the ministry, the many joys and challenges of the Christian life, and the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised would guide us into all truth. All right, we are back for season three of Unshaken Discipleship Podcast. We're so happy to be here, Bob, and yep. it's uh, it's been a little while. It's been a few months yep. since we wrapped up season two, and we are excited for for what is to come. So uh, before we before we start, Bob, you want to share what's been going on with you uh, the past few months? Man, where do I start? <laughs> it's been it's been very busy, you know, with all that's been going on and the certain adjustments we've had to make as a ministry because of, you know, what's happening over the past two years. But in a lot of all that, you know, God has kept us, I think, as a ministry, really busy. We've mm-hmm. been going forward. Um, we're not allowing the situations to stop us from what God has called us to do. For myself, just involved with teaching, back teaching again. Of course, Pastor Daryl, you know, does the Sunday morning, so... Uh, Pastor Ross and I rotate on Sunday evenings, so I'm back in the pulpit on Sunday evenings. Of course, on Wednesday night, we have Discipleship Harbor, so back in the rotation with that again. And so it's been good. I mean, with family, of course, my 12 grandkids, 10 on the island, so it's a lot to yeah. jumble and uh, around, juggle around, but it's it's all good. It's a good busy, mm-hmm. uh, not an overwhelming busy, but a good busy, and, and mainly it's just to be fruitful, productive for God, and of course, mm-hmm. planning out the 2022 calendar for outreach and missions. Uh, don't want to allow certain things that has happened in the past to keep us from what we really feel God wants us to do. So yeah, I'm excited Absolutely. about that. Yeah. yeah, I remember talking to you just a couple of days ago about how the month of February for us as a ministry, <laughs> as a staff, is usually not that yes. busy. But this year we are jam-packed yep. with so many things going on, exciting stuff, yep. as Bob, you were sharing. And I know you your plate is pretty full with you know a couple of funeral you know, services yeah. yes. and, a, and a wedding. yes that you are officiating and uh for me it's you know get this it's the adjustment of being part of a a new family you know i got married uh back in november uh into a ready-made family with two kids um my wife jacelyn and kelohi and kella and it's been it's been wonderful getting to uh just embark in a new journey and this is a, a new ministry and and just adjusting and a, constantly adapting to life uh, as a full-time pastor in ministry as well as uh, a father and a husband uh, most importantly that's that's the primary that's ministry yeah. that's what comes sure. first now sure. for me and um, yeah it's it's been a huge blessing and we know Renell who's right here in the studio with us he's uh, behind the scenes working the cameras uh, he He'll be getting married here in in a couple months, and uh, we're excited for him. Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I think his basketball days are over for a while. Oh though. no! <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we just tease him about that all the time. But yeah, we're excited for Rennell and how God put everything together with uh, his fiance, and it's pretty neat to see how God works. You yeah, know, when you're patient, you wait upon God for His best, and He never fails. So, Amen. Happy for him. Get into, and. Here it is. Yes. This book is called We Will Not Be Silenced by Dr. Erwin Lutzer. And as the graphic says, it's boldly representing Christ to a world that needs him now more than ever before. And so, Bob, you want to share uh, sure. just a little bit, uh, maybe an over- overview, a brief summary summary of yes. what this book is about? You know, I, I've been, you know, uh, privileged to read a lot of books, uh, some recently, some way in the past, some just I'm, I'm a reader. I told you I'm not. You know, I'm not a tech guy. I'm not very technical. You know, they wrote the book. You know, computers for dummies. That's me. But I'm a reader. I love reading, and I would have to say, this is probably one of the best books, if not the best book, I've read in probably the last two or three years, because it addresses the issues that are happening currently that all of us, not just here in our country, but that's going on all over the world that that we are facing. And why I like this book is simply because there's such a balance of bringing out the different issues that we see 
being discussed from a political end, uh, from the pulpit end, and to secular, just one-on-one, uh, -on -one, person on person in the news media, so on and so forth. And Dr. David Jeremiah did the forward, and we know that he talked about it, that it addresses diversity issues, racial issues, gender issues, social justice issues, media issues of free speech, issues rooted in socialism and Marxism. And most importantly, he says it covers issues related to the church and how it is responding to all of this. So the book really is a challenge. It's to challenge us as Christians. What do you do in the light of all the things that we are facing and yet still maintain the root of your trust and faith in God, yet without compromise, but mm -hmm. also being able to have compassion for those out there that need to be shown a sense of compassion and hope. And he brings all that together in the different chapters within this book. Yeah. I would recommend everybody that's a Christian, and even you, if you're a pastor, to read this book. It really informs you and updates you on all the stuff that's going on and how we as believers can better handle the situation that we hear um, on the news media. Is this true? Is this true news? Is this true information we're hearing or not? And Dr. Erin Lester does a great job of, of the research that he does put into this book together. And also, let you know, this book was written in 2020, so it's very, very new. Yeah. And if you know anything about Dr. Uh, Lutzer, you know, he's Moody, Pastor Moody Church, 36 years, uh, Pastor Emeritus, very well-versed, but also has written a number of books, and uh, you will not be disappointed mm -hmm. uh, with this book if you get a hold of it and make it part of your library. Yeah. In the forward, we're given two questions that he looks to answer in this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first one is, how do we live courageously in a culture where people who shout the loudest <laughs> win the argument? Uh, mm -hmm. We know that we know about that all too yes. well, right? And, and the second question is, how do we live during a time when Christianity is openly being remade to blend more comfortably into a secularized culture? You know, yeah. are we, are we going to adapt to the culture and allow the culture yeah. to change us as, as a church, as the body of Christ, or are we going to be the ones to impact the culture because we know that the gospel and the truths of the word of God are timeless. Yep. It doesn't change. Yep. And you know, the point of the matter is like we are talking, we talked about this often on quite a bunch about what's out there now that's become a very popular concept as progressive Christianity. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the point that you said on the second question, how do we live during a time when Christianity is openly being remade to blend more comfortably into a secularized culture? That is what progressive Christianity is all about. Yeah. They want to take the culture, and, or the Word of God, excuse me, and fit into the culture rather than let the Word of God address how we should live in the culture and how this culture should operate right. and how the culture should be. And it is a very concern for us as conservatives, I would say evangelical conservatives that believe wholeheartedly on the inerrancy of Scripture, that the Word of God is truth and it stands alone. Um, Jesus said, if you know the truth, it'll set you free. Mm -hmm. And yet we are moving away slowly from that to basically indoctrinate us with things that are not biblical, that they're not inerrant, that are not true. And so that's what this book addresses and how we can maintain that semblance of our faith without falling to us all around us within our culture, and even in the church mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. So without further ado, we'll, we'll take in uh, part of the preface to this book yes. by, uh, by the author and then uh, we'll start with chapter one, uh, entitled "How We Got Here." Yes, and yeah, there's there's a lot to take in, and more than we have time for, really. Yes. But yeah. we're we're gonna do our best to um, to break things down and and to to keep it biblical, keep it sound. Yep. Uh, like you were saying uh, when we were talking earlier, um, the content of this book is really gonna ruffle some feathers. Yep. It's going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we're we're gonna do our best to uh, to be mindful of you know both parties and mm -hmm. and looking to again the word of God yep. that is our ultimate source of of authority and truth and seeing what what He has for us here in these next few pages. Yes. So anyway, um, in the preface, it says the surprising response of Jesus, and that's a question probably you might be thinking about. Maybe you don't. When the disciples asked Jesus an interesting question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Luke 13, 23. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he goes into um, answering that question. Uh, Jesus never answered it directly if you read the study of the Gospels, but he, also, he prefaced it by sharing Scripture. And he shared that to the disciples in 
Luke 13, 24 and 25 by saying, Strive to enter through the narrow gate door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. And so you read that, and for me, it's, it's not frightening for myself because you and I, we know that where we're at. We, I mean, we are steady, Eddie, in our faith. We're not perfect. We're not talking about, hey, we're above anybody <laughs> else. But we have an assurance of salvation simply because of what Jesus has done for us and the fact that we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Not perfect. We're sinners saved by grace, mm-hmm. um, but yet we believe wholeheartedly what the Scriptures tell us. But um, he talked about that, and I believe there's a reason why he said that. And if you want to read the second paragraph, John, what, what Jesus, what Erwin Lesser writes there. Uh, yeah, the second paragraph, yeah. page 16, he says, Yet today there are calls for evangelicals to remake Christianity into a more inclusive religion. There are widespread efforts to make the narrow door wider and to even affirm the salvation of well-meaning people of other religions. So-called progressive Christians advance their causes under the banner of love and compassion. In the process, the hard truths of Christianity are either redefined or ignored. And, yeah, that's that's the real issue that we are running into today is, well, you're not loving or you're not compassionate because... (laughs) You're being a little bit too truthful here yeah. <laughs> with with what the Word of God says, and yeah, how do we navigate through that? Well, you know that what you hit you hit the nail on the head. You know, so-called progressive Christians advance their cause under the banner of love and compassion, and that is something that a lot of people gravitate to, especially now with you know this movement with the LBGTQ, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. And and let me let me get it straight. So from our end, Pastor John and I, we don't in any way. Um, look differently upon a person that is in that lifestyle, not at all. Um, the Bible is true that God loves all people, mm-hmm. but understand God is a God of holiness, yeah. and He's a God of righteousness. And whether you are living in that lifestyle, or you have a problem with drugs or alcohol, or you're, you're, you lie, you steal, you cheat, under God's banner of truth, He doesn't compartmentalize sin. Sin is sin to God. Mm-hmm. What we will not do is is justify a person's sin to say it's okay. And so why this movement is so accepted is because they, they go under the banner of love and compassion, accepting everybody or all facets of different lifestyles and different things that people do. And when they look at us that do not have that same perspective, then we become, what, judgmental. Yeah. And the Bible does say we can judge a righteous judgment. We don't condemn people, but the issue is we we do this. Why? Because we care about them. We love them. We know the ultimate end if a person doesn't turn away from something that God says is irreprehensible to him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the thing we have to stand. That's why I think this book, like you said, it is going to raise controversy simply because we're not going to compromise. Yeah. And we can't compromise. And the title of the book is good. We will not be silenced. And that's what's happening within the Church of Jesus Christ today because of the pressure they're pushing us to not say anything because of criticism and the ridicule that we're going to get by speaking out of things that which are true. Right. <clears throat> it, it makes me think about how the unbelievers in this world, they they live for and they love to hear good news. Yep. They just don't want the good news of the gospel. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> because it's offensive in nature. Yep. I think we've talked about yep. this in, in previous seasons, right, where, you know, when it comes to the gospel— the, the bad news precedes the, the good news. Yes. You got to get past the bad news first in order to to be able to embrace the good news of, of grace and forgiveness and redemption because, quite frankly, we're not the good people that society makes us out to be. Yep. And, and when you tell someone that and when you try to expose the sin of man, people get defensive. Yep. They get hurt. They... And then they, they respond with, well, that's not loving. Yep. That's not compassionate. But you know what? Love doesn't always manifest itself in a positive way. No. You know, I think about discipline and correction sure. when it comes to a child. Yep. We do that. Why? Not because we're angry, or at least it shouldn't be, the, the, you know, the main reason. Yep. But yeah, because we love them. We, yep. want, we want them to be the very best that they can be yep. as they grow up. Yeah, and you look at the example, even the Gospels of Jesus Christ— 
when he was moving toward closer to um, his crucifixion. Uh, but look at the animosity and the hatred that came against him. Why? Because he spoke the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a demon, right? Yeah. Accuse yeah. him of all these things, or you're doing something unlawful traditionally on the Sabbath day. The issue was the fact that Christ spoke the truth and they didn't want to hear it simply because of the traditions that they had within themselves as Pharisees, Sadducees, and the lawyers. Fast forward to today, the same thing. You speak the truth, but yet we're called to be judgmental. We're being, hey, you're being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to hear the truth. And Christ, remember, said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Yep. And the Word of God will, will pierce. But that's what it's supposed to do. Because he wants, we want the Word of God to change us to become more and more like him. So thus, um, love and compassion, today especially with this movement, it's a very acceptable um, emotion that people gravitate to. And yet, under the, the banner of Christianity, uh, it doesn't work for us yeah. from them, looking at the way we respond to situations that, that are around us, yeah. which makes it difficult. Yeah. It's not as a challenge. And we, we've reached this point in time now where... Most people aren't able to reconcile a God who is loving with the God who is perfectly just yep. as well. Yep. It's like, no, th- th- those two things can't go together. But for us as, as Christians, as believers, students of the Word of God, yep. we see that, you know, with, with God, yep. Creator God, that's yep. absolutely possible. And, and it, it is. It's, well, the, if you think about, is. you know, how we deal with stuff is because... God gave us the ability to do so because that's the way he deals with stuff. Yeah. And so being born again, that's expected of us to mm-hmm. deal in, in that manner. But again, we, you know, we're not called to lay down a mantle of truth for the sake of accepting everything. Right. Um, and that's what's happening that we're seeing happening and, and moving more and more in that direction. And it's, and it's, it's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. you know, cause I've been a Christian a long time and I've seen the paradigm shift from the seventies going through that Jesus movement, mm. you know, through the eighties and then leaving the state of California to plant a church in Kentucky in the nineties. And in the nineties is when I really see things begin to shift in the church. Mm. And I'm like, wow, things are really moving in a different direction. And now today in, you know, 2022, it's even more noticeable yeah. how much farther we've gotten away from that, which have been part of who I was and who I am mm-hmm. when I first got saved. You know what I mean? It's, it's very yeah. different now. Uh, let me read that next paragraph, too. I, I, you know, I, I marked this one in, in my book. He says, okay. Let me be clear that I am opposed to a form of judgmental Christianity that holds truth with, holds to truth without mm-hmm. compassion and righteousness, without humility. I am opposed to a form of Christianity that judges without listening and sees the faults of others without seeing our own. As a pastor, my heart breaks for those who hurt, who are confused, and who don't know where to turn for help. Our churches should be sanctuaries for the downtrodden, the oppressed, and the lonely. They should be hospitals for the soul. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely spot yep. on, yep. talking about the church and, and what is the role that we're playing. Are we just pointing fingers at people, yep. or are we recognizing that, hey, I'm just as in need, if not more, yep. in need of God's grace and forgiveness, and I'd, I'm a total hypocrite if I you know, were to deny that, yep. that fact. Sure. And so how are we uh, welcoming people in, into our community, and to, to share with them, you know, that love and that compassion, but without compromise for the truth of, of the matter? You know, that's a really good um, question, and, and I think something that we have to be really careful um, concerning about Mm -hmm. and you know for example you know somebody that's maybe struggling with addiction and we could have a preconceived thoughts that you'll you know you can't have you in here um but the but the word of god changes people yeah you know what i mean and and i think a big thing too is those that are in a different lifestyle and automatically you know we think now well you can't come here um but they should Mm-hmm. Because they're living in, 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 in a place to where they need to hear the Word of God with the, with the perspective that, and, and the power of, of God through the Holy Spirit to change somebody. And that's something that, you know, it's important, I think, for the church to accept all people into 
the ministry, into the church to hear the word. Of course, if they don't want to repent and change, that's a different story. Right. Because Paul writes in Galatians, a little leaven will leaven the whole lot. Yeah, that infiltration. So you can't yeah. have sin stay in the camp without a person understanding the need to change their lifestyle or change right. the way, their behavior. Right. But we, we need to really be open to that. And I mean, even our church, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think we are. You know, I think we have a great pastor that is compassionate for all facets and forms of, of life. But the rubber meets the road when somebody enters the church and you know they're, you know, they're not living, you know, a heterosexual lifestyle. This, mm-hmm. I put that out there because that seems to be the most um, dominant um, opposition when it comes to somebody entering the church. Yeah. I, I believe that God can change a person. Mm-hmm. I know he can. And he's changed us. Yeah. And so why would we not think that a person that wants to come in, hear the teaching of God's Word, to me, if they, if they enter the church, they're there for a reason. Right. Okay? They're, right. they're coming in for a reason. They're looking for something. They're looking for something, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I believe we as a ministry, and I think, like you read, you know, they should be hospitals for the soul. Mm-hmm. And de- regardless of where they're at in their life, we need to be really open and accepting. Yeah. And yet... Um, must also be mindful that there has to be a level over a period of time of repentance and change. Right. You know what I mean? And 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 not just the openness in in the welcoming sort of way, but you know, this is a challenge for all Christians in the church, mm-hmm. you know, as as active members and participants. How are we, you know, being open about, you know, our struggles yeah. and our our brokenness? Yep. Sure. Or are we coming to church and putting on this facade, right? <laughs> yeah. You put on that facade on a on a Sunday morning, week in, week out. Everybody's now kind of gotten this impression that oh, yeah, you know, everything's good with you. Yeah. Therefore, everything needs to be good with me. And if it's not, then man, I'm alone in this in this fight, and I have nobody that I can yeah. relate to. So you know, I've been blessed to have a Monday night men's group here at the church. Who, you know, we we get together each week and we. We talk openly mm-hmm. about, you know, struggles that we have as men. A mm-hmm. common one being, you know, sexual, uh, sexual sin, yeah. uh, temptations, yeah. lustful thoughts, things of that sort. And you know, it's been so freeing mm-hmm. for these guys to recognize that you know I'm not alone yeah. in this fight. I have other brothers who are either in the battle with me or by God's grace they've yeah. they've been freed of it and mm-hmm. now they're here to to help me. Yep. And to walk alongside as I as I go through, you know, um, this next week and, and you know, so on and so yep. forth. So it's it's been really neat and I and I do see um I see a, a deeper sense of fellowship in, in the body of Christ uh at this particular moment in time mm-hmm. and it's been a blessing really to yeah. see people connecting and um not just heading straight for the doors after <laughs> service. It's been yeah been really cool yeah and that's what we want to see you know everything to get back to that and you know, but like you said you know um there's got to be transparency yeah i mean we don't wear a heart on our sleeve i mean you know we know best because we're pastors we can't do that we don't know people's intentions and motives mm-hmm. but still there has to be a sense and level of a transparency to yeah. build a camaraderie to build interactions with one another to build, build fellowship and of course accountability it all comes from being just open and and, and willing to have somebody come into your life like you said mm-hmm. and being honest with some of the struggles that we go through as men, I'll speak of men particularly, knowing that that those people that understand the situation we go through, that they're gonna pray for us. But also exactly. hold us hold us yeah. accountable. Right. So that we don't fall into behaviors that will be um detrimental to our relationship, whether to other people, if you're married, to our spouses, to our children, and of course most importantly to God. So yeah, yeah it's good. Okay, so Anything else on this in this preface you want to share? Uh, yeah, just this this one one more paragraph here on page seventeen, uh, real real briefly, but but so good. He says, too often compassion is used to override our better judgment and approve of ungodly lifestyles. We tell ourselves that we don't witness about our faith because we fear offending someone. We are silent in the face of political and moral decline because we want to be thought of as nice and not judgmental. <laughs> We don't want to let people know that the way into the kingdom is narrow and there is a cost to following Jesus. The Christian poet Vasily Zukovsky wrote, we, have, we all have crosses to bear, and we are constantly trying on different ones for a good fit. 
we are all trying to find a lighter cross. And, you know, last season we talked, you know, we went through that book, Shadow of the Cross, and what it means to deny self and to pick up that cross, as heavy as it might be some days, and following after Jesus. And, man, that's that's big time. What's happening uh, today in in the life of, of the believers is, you know, we... We see those those opportunities God puts our way, but oh, we become so hesitant and reluctant to to speak up and to be vocal about our faith yeah. and the hope that we have. Why? Because, and I don't know how that person's going to respond. You know, they <laughs> they might find this very offensive, and but but the worst thing that could possibly happen is they say no, thank you. Yeah, right? I don't. Wanna, I don't, I don't want. Yeah, I'm not sure what this. you have to say. Um, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, again. We're told, I mean, I tell people this, listen, Jesus said we are to be the light of the world, I mean, the, the salt of the earth and light of the world, mm-hmm. not either or, both. Yep. We're to be salt and light, not salt or light. Right. And that's important. Yeah. And I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand how people are so apprehensive. Maybe I'm just, I'm just different. I mean, to tell somebody about Jesus, mm. I mean... What kind of persecution do we face in this country? We're not going to get our heads cut off or have a gun put our. I mean, yeah, is, is it could that time come? Possibly, sure. but in the in the meantime, I mean, we live in the greatest country in the world, United States of America. Not perfect, so if it's bad here, it's bad everywhere. Else. It's worse everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. But the liberties and freedoms we have, religious liberties and freedoms we have, we know they're eroding more and more. Mm-hmm. They're eroding because we see the direction everything's going. Why? Because the Bible says that. But in the process of why we have this liberty and this opportunity, man, I, I, I'm going to tell you guys out there, be salt and light. You don't know in how you might impact somebody's life because they're hurting and they need to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what this book is going to do. It's going to really challenge us in the face of all the different injustices that are out there particularly those that are going to come against the church of Jesus Christ, how to stand firm. Mm-hmm. And yet, like you said, show compassion and show um, integrity in how we deal with people, um, to be loving, and yet not fall to all the stuff that's out there that causes us to compromise yeah. in our belief and our faith that we have in Jesus Christ. The thing that I've been challenged with recently is just trying not to be in such a hurry, especially when we're out <laughs> running our errands, when we're on the road yeah. driving or we're over at Costco and it's crazy busy. Yeah. You know, society has turned itself into this huge rat race. Yeah. And busyness. You know, Hawaii is yeah. a little bit more, I mean, a lot, a lot more slow paced compared to some other states in the, you know, on the East Coast, especially, you know, LA, whatever. Yeah. But man, it's like taking that that brief second to to recognize that, man, these people around me, mm-hmm. you know, I, I might not end up bumping into anyone and actually having conversation, but I don't know the yep. state of their souls. Yep. I don't know where they're headed, what they believe, where they stand yep. with God. And, but what I do know is that we're all broken, yep. that we're all in need of a savior. And I'm over here just, you know, trying to weave in and out of, of traffic or, mm-hmm. you know, avoiding people because they're just taking their time, their sweet time. And, you know, I fail to to recognize that, oh, man, yeah, just, just loving on someone and, and being a little bit more courteous, you know, things like that could could really uh, make an impact. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's slowing down and 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 um, recognizing the environment around you. And that's that's what you have to do. I'll I'll share real briefly. I don't want to get off subject, but I was in I was in Home Depot one time. Yeah, I was looking for um, garden tools. Actually, I was looking for a, a an axe. Okay, and I was in the section, and there was a guy down there, some black gentleman, and we were talking. He's got in a conversation, just just talking story, and then he looked at me and goes, "Hey, so what do you what do you do for, what do you do for a living?" I go, "I'm a pastor." He looked at me and goes, "He goes, you know, there was just something different about your demeanor," mm. and then. From that point, the guy just opened up of all these different things that he was dealing with in his life. Wow. Out of nowhere, I'm just in yeah. like, and so I just say, hey, man, what can I tell you? You know, Jesus has the answer for all your problems, dude. You know, he, he cares about you. He loves you. And he was, I think he was taking back that I would take time to talk with him. He goes, you know, you don't even know me. And 
I'm in Home Depot, and he said, you know, I really have to go. I really would like to talk to you. And I told him, well, our church is over. I told him where it was at. Mm -hmm. But he was just very blessed and grateful that I would just spend time talking with him and listen to his, his story. I mean, he was he had a lot of stuff going on, on not good, but he was uh, appreciative. Yeah. So you just never know. You know, you plant the seeds. It's not my business um, who, how to, you know, about saving somebody. It's just plant the seeds. Right. You know, some water, some... Um, Plant, but God yeah. gives increase, and that's mm -hmm. the main thing. Is we, you know, we want to be able to plant seeds. You come across somebody like yourself. You might talk to somebody that's already a seed has been planted. You say one word, and he goes, "Man, I need to give my life to Christ." You're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. So yeah. the soul is the soil is ripe and ready, and that's what I'm saying. That's light and salt. Mm -hmm. You know, and we can be both. Then you never know the doors of opportunity that God can give to someone. It's, but it's a matter of just putting yourself out there and and not be silent. You know, mm -hmm. and, and just knowing that. This is what we're called to do. You know, we're yeah. called to be to be bold in our faith. Yeah. 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 He's he he ends it with what a special privilege it is to be called to represent Christ at this yep. pivotal moment of history. We're called for such a time as this, and we must pray that our light might shine more brightly than ever yep. before in our yep. darkening world. So that's the that's the preface for you. Wow. I mean, just <laughs> you can we can yeah. spend a whole episode just right there, but uh we'll we'll jump into chapter one. Yeah. How we, how we got here. Yeah, it's a lot in this chapter, and he goes right into the different um, issues that we're facing within this country. Just in the very opening paragraph, you know, Dr. Erwin Lutzer says, the secular left does not believe that America can be fixed. They say it must be destroyed. And he goes on and says, on the rubble of America's Judeo-Christian past, a new America will emerge, which they say will be free of poverty, racism, and white supremacy. The secular left's goal is a future in which everyone will be equal on their terms and the disparities of the past will be read about only in history books. Those who resist this utopian vision are to be vilified, bullied, and shamed until they, are, they admit to the mistakes of the past and embrace the secular left's great hope for the future. And then just to, to re top it off, re finish, take a moment to reflect on what has happened in America in the last 20 years. Consider the increasingly sexually explicit curriculum in our public schools. Listen to the racial rhetoric of the self-appointed social justice warriors who are committed to inflaming racial division. And look at the new laws forcing Christian colleges to compromise their biblical stance about marriage and surrender to the LBGTQ agenda. And he's, just what we're saying here, we're, we're already stirring controversy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? There's so many people that... Once they hear that, they're they're gonna shut this thing off. But, <laughs> they're not gonna watch but anymore. If they read honestly and they listen to what has been said, they can't deny it's true. Because if you, I was born and raised here, and you can see the paradigm shift and how everything has gone in the last—I I wouldn't even say twenty years—in the past ten years, mm -hmm. how everything has has really sliding farther and farther away from our roots. That America was built upon, and I, whatever your belief is, hey, we are built upon a Judeo-Christian foundation. Yeah. Okay, first books that were used in, in the in the public schools were the were the New England Primer Bible. Yeah, they learned the ABCs by different characters in the Bible. So that's our history uh, as a country. But we're moving all away from that, and we see this new um, form of. I think of superiority that they're trying to uh, replace that which has been part of our history from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. He talks about the the sexualized thinking and behavior that's spreading rapidly in a nation obsessed with its overblown emphasis on individual rights for a select few at the expense yeah. of others. Things like, oh, proper pronouns. You want to, you know, <laughs> you want to talk about proper yeah. pronouns. You know, people are now saying coming on and saying these are my pronouns you need to address me using these yes yeah and yep. you know we've we've human history has gone on for all these years and only now we're decades yeah <laughs> thousands of years and, time. and only now we're we've reached this point and it's it's crazy it is it you know why do i have to why am i now forced to address someone you know a certain way yep. by, by what they want to be called when it may not even match their their biological makeup. Yeah, you know, and the thing you know, but yet the enlightening thing and the, the of course encouraging thing, knowing from the biblical perspective and point of view, that Jesus said all of these things would transpire 
you know, before he would come to remove the church before the, the, the great tribulation, you know, the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. We know all of this. So none of this stuff takes us by surprise. I think, but for the Christian, I'm speaking to the audience, the Christian audience, they, they need to understand the reality of what's going on for them to be prepared when this thing becomes full-blown. Mm. Will, will we see a shift back to the other way? We pray that. Yeah. Our prayer is to see Reformation in the Church that would uh, start a revival. Do I honestly, in my just in my belief that will happen before the rapture? I don't know. I really don't, you know, because I'm, when I'm reading the Bible, especially Revelation and the, and the 144,000 that go out, mm-hmm. that to me is the last great revival that this world will see, you know, because in that time, many millions will get saved through the faithfulness of those 12,000 each tribe that were called to go out and preach the everlasting gospel of peace throughout the whole world. Yep. And the good part about it is they're protected by God because not one of them lose their life. All 144,000 are retained. I don't see anywhere prior to that that there's going to be this great move again within our country and the world as far as revival. I don't want to believe that. I, I hope it's not true. I would love nothing more to see one great last push, and we should pray for that. Mm. But the way everything's going and the trends that are happening specifically within our country, it I'm not so sure. It doesn't seem likely, yeah. I don't, I don't, so, I mean, thank God for Greg Laurie's ministry with the, the Crusades. Yeah. I mean, through that, many are getting saved, but that's not a revival. Those mm-hmm. are Crusades. <laughs> you know, you go back and you know, look at the Welsh Revival, the Great Awakenings in our country. Those are revivals where, man, it swept across the nation. I, I wish to see that again. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be a pessimist. I don't know. Yeah. So in the light of all of that being said, we, we need to be ready. As a, as a Christian and as a church, we need to prepare ourselves for when the earthquake happens and hits. I'm, now I'm talking about a secular earthquake that hits and everything changes, you know, mm. from what we're used to to now what we have to adjust to. Yeah. And it's coming. I, I mean, it's we've, coming. we've already seen it with, with this pandemic, yeah. right? Shutting yeah. down oh, churches. Yeah. There you and, go. There's, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, was it Pastor Ken Graves I've I seen just recently too? His church is still... The, 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 the governor there is not allowing them to, to reopen in Maine. Really? But everything else can oh everything else can reopen, you know, and yeah. so there's just heavy heavy persecution happening uh, yeah. against uh, the true believers, yeah. you know. Well, another one, uh, um, Michael McClure and Calvary Chapel San Jose, mm-hmm. and how they were trying to shut them down and and were finding them every day for violating uh, that order, and uh, and they would not bow, and. But the good part is that he stood his ground and went to court, shared um, who he was as a pastor. They gave him the floor, and he got well-received from the judge mm-hmm. of his testimony, what he shared. So things are moving in a, in a good direction for him. But, but you, the point you made is like, so where does the evangelical church stand right. in the midst of what's happening um, within our country with the, with the political movement You know, we see happening as far as... Um, taking our rights away and all these mandates are in place, you know, yeah. restricting uh, what we should be and can be should be doing as a ministry. Right. Um, it's there. It's it's very real. It's mm-hmm. very true. Um, moving on in the book, uh, he goes to say, it's difficult to even have a real conversation on the many social paragraph two on page twenty on many social issues of our day, such as policies advocating unrestricted immigration and sweeping proposals to combat co- climate change or issues regarding racism, to merely question the viewpoints of secular left radicals on social issues is denounced as hateful, bigoted, and racist. We who are Christians are told that if we want to be known as good citizens, we should keep our antiquated views to ourselves. We are made to feel embarrassed about defending traditional marriage and a sane understanding of gender. Like a deer caught in the headlights, we don't quite know what to do and whether we are willing to pay the price of fidelity to Scripture. We are shamed into silence. You know what makes wow. this hard too is that the media is run. All, all media outlets pretty much are are being run by by liberal yep. companies sure. uh, with these liberal agendas, yep. and it's targeting big time the the younger people, yep. right? Yep. Those that are on their devices like nonstop all day every day. Mm-hmm. They're just being fed all of all of these things that just aren't true. Yeah. 
and that, that's that's the 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 um, reason why they target them because they're not going to do the research to to discern, to discern or differentiate between what is actual facts and what is not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Generation Z and Generation X. I mean, and our government keeps feeding them support. Yep. And it's, it's unfortunate because those are the ones, really, as a church, like you said, we should be a hospital for broken souls. Those are the ones we need to be reaching out to to help them understand what they're hearing as opposed to what is really accurate and true. And so we can't let those younger generations fall through the cracks. But unfortunately, a lot of them are so indoctrinated by what they're hearing that they look at us as being, you know, bigoted mm -hmm. and unloving and not concerned about other people and other, you know, organizations. And so they would, a lot of times they don't want to listen to what we have to say. And that's yeah. unfortunate because of all the lies they've been fed for the past, what, five years leading and, up to the last two. And then once it reaches the affections, you know, all, yep. all rational thinking goes out the window, right? Yep. I mean, it's gone. It's, and it's, you know, but we still can't give up. On, mm -hmm. on on that cross section of our of our culture, right. you know that generation. We need to really reach out to them, because to me, you know, love covers a multitude of sins, as Peter says, and the love transcends everything. And you know, I've said this often. You know, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to put aside our preferences and our indifferences to just go out there, sacrificially, like you said, bearing a cross, and to love those people yeah. and to share with them the truth. Just like Tuesday nights, the basketball. Mm -hmm. That's been a great format, you know, you've seen it, of being able to talk with them. And I go around talking with the guys one-on-one. -on -one. I'll see somebody sitting by themselves, like I saw one gentleman last week sitting by themselves, a military guy. Say, hey, man, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, are you sure? You look a little down. And then he's kind of shares some things that's going on with him. Mm. And so, you know, those, that's a, those are um, opportunities. You know, he's a young guy. He's in his mid-20s. Yeah. And so these are the, chant, the, the, the opportunities we take and, and when they happen to – because you don't know the seeds you're planting. And for, like I said, for that person to say, wow, he's, he came up and he just showed some interest. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, but that's, as a pastor, that's what I want to do. You know, I want to yeah. be interested in the people that, that uh, are on a Tuesday night, for example, playing basketball. Yeah. And, and the, the church as a whole is trying to be fit into this mold. We, we get these negative stereotypes just yeah. rammed down our throats. And, how do we, yeah, how do we respond to that? Yeah. Well, we respond by doing what we can in, in reaching out and approaching others, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And and just expressing to them that, hey, you know, I care about you yeah. and you know, we, we love you and we're 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 genuinely, you know, interested in, in wanting to know, you know, your story, mm -hmm. what's what's going on, how we can be praying for you. Mm -hmm. Uh it's not I mean, it, it's just so sad to me how how many people I, you know, I'll talk to in unfortunate circumstances, they get burned by the church yep. and, you know, or it's just hearsay and, and they jump to the conclusion that all churches yep. are, are messed up, which we are, you know, yep. we are these sanctuaries yep. for, for the broken. Yep. Uh, we, we are filled with broken people, yep. not people who, you know, who all got their lives together. Yep. Um, and, and then they just begin to think, you know what? Every church is just judgmental. Like that. Doesn't love. Yeah zero compassion yeah. and that's just not the case yeah and so you know the, so what do we do you know we have to um show a little bit of difference preference when we run into people when we see people yeah. um i mean like i said i'm grateful you know for our church i think we have a very loving church i think we have a really um good church that is compassionate but could we improve yeah we all can improve there's mm -hmm. no perfect churches i mean there's always margins to get better at what we're called to do but nonetheless, I think on the whole, we, we have a very accepting um, ministry. Yeah. You know, we yeah. do. If you think about, you know, um, what we do and the number of ministries we have and how we try to reach out to all facets of the different um, uh, issues that are out there within our culture, you oh, know, yeah. from the pregnancy center to the, the, the mobile unit to, you know, you doing the Monday night mm -hmm. um, with the guys and the ladies' studies. So we try to really address, and of course, we have the... Um, Grace Encounter. Grace Encounter. Thursday yeah. nights, man. Thursday they, nights. So, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, I think we do a, a really, really good job on trying to be open and balanced of all the cross-cultural issues that are out there with people. So, right. yeah, I think we're okay. But still, you know, uh, this book, man, you know, <laughs> it just nails some stuff that, you know, we need to really be aware of mm -hmm. and be much more mindful. Because uh, my, my fear is that there is, there's so much ignorance um, 
on the social issues within the Church of Jesus Christ, you know, a congregation, not everyone, but a lot. And that the problem I think we have, and you, you probably can agree, that they listen to so much different stuff, and then all of a sudden they say, well, hey, I heard this, what do you think? Mm. You know, they want your opinion, like, where do you get that from? Yeah. So what are you listening to that for? You mean, get yourself in God's Word, but making sure what you're hearing is, is accurate and true and balanced. I go, yeah. and, I, and I'll say, no, that's not true, where'd you get that from? And they'll tell me, I said, well... Is that what you listen to all the time? You look at all these YouTube and da da da, and I go, I'm not saying they're all bad, right? But use discernment, you know. Balance. The issue is if it doesn't line up with scripture, right? Then that that's the foundation we use for anything we hear. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't match up to what the Word of God says, then it's not true, right? Or it's inaccurate, right? But that's that's the thing today. Social media. Yeah. Everybody's on social media. You know, some form of that type of communication yeah. and information they're getting. I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said this, and and I love it. And I mean, it it's different today, right? With sure. the the technological age, the digital age. Mm -hmm. uh, he says to visit many good books today. That that could be many good, you know, articles and sure. and other things. But make your home in the Word of yeah. God. <coughs> we me, need yes. to live in the Word of God. Yes. And yeah, I've been I've been guilty of this, thinking like, you know, a, a few times. Over the years, just thinking, you know, I've I've read through, I've read through the Bible cover to cover at you know multiple times even, so now I'm you know I'm I'm gonna start reading other books mm -hmm. and then I, I get so uh, consumed in reading these other books and I realize you know what I've I've neglected the Word of mm -hmm. God uh, for too long and I need to get back to this because yeah. this is what's what's true this yeah. is what has literally stood the test of time. Yep. All these years, yeah. and quite frankly, where all these other authors are are getting, you know, their their substance yeah, is, exactly. is from the word. Yeah, I mean, I love reading books, but I will never neglect reading the Bible. Yeah, you know, because when I read a book, and if I mean the Bible as well, then I have a real source of information between both. So if I hear something in the in the in a book I'm reading that's um, quoting scripture or passages, and then giving an interpretation of that in the light of whatever chapter they're talking about. If I'm reading the Bible, then it gives me a much broader base of understanding what they're trying to um, bring across within the book. Um, I will never neglect reading the Bible. That's my that's my source of food. You know, and for, I've been doing it for so long, I can't. And you know, as you get older, man, your mind just kind of like you know, I can't remember my name from yesterday. So <laughs> I gotta be in the I gotta be in the Word of God. You know, just to refresh myself. That old saying, you know, repetition teaches a donkey, right? Yeah. And yeah. so. I never, it never gets old, you know, it's always, God always gives you, you know, you know, new insights, even from the same passages, he's always bringing new insights, especially if you go through stuff, how he relates that to you in the very, you know, whatever issues you're dealing with, whatever, you know, circumstances, he makes that relevant to you, and that's why the Word of God is important. I won't neglect books, I think books are good, I think it's a good source to broaden your, 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 your perspective of information, um, whether culturally, socially, as well as spiritually, but that should not be your source only. It's right. got to be God's word, you know, right. co constantly. Right. All right, better move on, bro. Uh, I think one more, <laughs> one more section in okay. that, and yeah. that's just about all the time we have yeah. for okay. today. So, uh, you got anything on page twenty-one? Yeah, it calls cultural Marxism growing shadow. I, I, I think we need to touch on this, you know, a little bit, and I don't know how much time we have. Because if you've heard me share, I believe that's the direction that we're moving in. You yeah. know, a Marxist form of totalitarianism within our country or our form of government, and it's quite evident. Passing out stimulus checks, mandates, um, limiting our freedoms and liberties of what we can and cannot do. You can't take the shit. You don't get the shot. You don't. Look, you can't work. Mm -hmm. That's a form of Marxism control. And so, he writes: a powerful cultural stream has fed this river of political correctness, the curbing of free speech increased government control, growing racial conflict, and hostility, hostility toward Christianity. Leading these attacks against traditional American values is a form of Marxism that is, a widely taught, that is widely taught in many universities and assumed by elitists as a theory that best explains the, the inequities of our society and our best hope for curing them. And then, uh, right, third paragraph, Marx introduced a theory of state supremacy that necessitated an economic and social controls that were imposed in Russia after the revolution in 1917. After this revolution, during which millions of people were killed, the state abolished private property and set out to bring equality and justice to, a, a, to, a, to an oppressed people. 
State supremacy necessitated religious suppression and the curbing of individual rights. Today, we face what is known as a cultural as cultural Marxism. It is not being imposed on people on war battlefields. Instead, it's a form of Marxism that wins the hearts and minds of people incrementally by gradually transform transformation of the culture. And that's that's why the younger people don't understand because it is gradual. Mm-hmm. It's not like saying, "Hey." We're going to impose Marxism here. Yeah, yeah. They don't do that, right. <laughs> but they 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 slowly subject you to that by one money. That's what Marxism did. They they their 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 concept of Marxism is the fact that it is the rich that brought oppression to the poor. That's why they're in poverty. So what we have to do is bring everybody on the equal playing field, mm-hmm. like you said. So everybody, and they strip you of your identity. Your identity. Yep. Over time. But the problem with Marxism is, okay, so they take from the rich. What happens when they run out of money? <laughs> what then? The government can't yeah. print money because they don't have the means or the, or the, necess- the way to do it because they would bring hyperinflation within their, into the culture, which would collapse the whole economy. That's why socialism never works. It works in the beginning because everybody's <clears throat> getting free money, but then what happens when the money's no longer there? Marxism is a form of, that brings up poverty to the culture and society of the people that they're trying to impose this on. But the young people today, it's a gradual, you know, hey, you don't have to work. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. we don't have to pay for medical insurance. We'll provide that for you. Um, it's like the frog in the pot, right? You, you turn up yep. slowly. And that's exactly so that what the they heat, do. And yeah. it, the water starts yep. to boil and the frog doesn't jump out. He, he just stays there. Yep. And for the young people, they're, they're coming into this not knowing what life was like before. Nope. Right. They just, yeah. and it's sad. They just think, you know, this is the way it is, and and yep. they maybe even assume that yep. this is how it's always been. And they and they filter and feed on the younger pe- people because yeah. they don't know the past. They don't oh, yeah. have a past. Yeah. Yeah. We do. Right. You know. So like I said, when I went into Bulgaria, which was under 500 years of Marxist rule, um, Turkey and all that country, when the Berlin Walls came down, they were free from um, Marxist rule. Capitalism came in, and I went there for missions. But like I was sharing with you. The tragedy was the old people that were so used to being supported by the government did not know how to handle freedom. Hmm. They didn't want it because they were so used to being dependent upon the government of all the handouts. And they were like, what is this? You know, what do, how do I do this? I'm like, how do you do what? And I'm trying to explain to them. The younger kids gravitated to it because it was something that they can do, freedom of expression, but they got caught up in all the wrong stuff, hmm. pornography, alcoholism, drugs. Um, because it was open in, in the society now with no with no um, restrictions, so it was it, it went from one extreme to the next. But the issue with Marxism, though, is that they feed on the young, and that's how they make the inroads. And that's why the young generation needs to do their homework and understand what's happening within the culture today. Yeah, it's important for them instead of just buying into all this stuff. Oh, look, you know, I don't have to work. I got free money. Extending unemployment benefits. Yeah. Uh, what, what was Biden's? Now he's talked about trying to do away with tuition for. For education, yeah. well, that's part of Marxism. They, that's the that's free education. So, what are they going to? Well, how does that work? You got to tell me how does that work? Yeah, somebody is is paying for that, right? right? And so. it's, and it's just so scary because in this day and age, it's like thinking for yourself is too much work. Yep. <laughs> it's like oh come on, really? You talk about the laziness, right? People, they just they just read one article from one news outlet and they believe it yep. and and they take it as this is 100 percent yep. factual yep. information yep. and they run with it they run with it and man that's that's just can dangerous. you imagine if we did that as pastors in the church <laughs> we wouldn't have a job yeah. well I'd, I'd be looking up i'd be all, looking up all the articles that that suit my preferences exactly you know yep. that cater to what i yep. what i want rather than what's true and yeah Hey, you can't always get. But you know, you we're not, we're we're sharing this with you because we need to make you aware of the direction we're moving. We're not here to criticize anybody, not at all. Please don't get that or take that from us. We're here to give you information that's that that is in this book to make you aware of the direction that we are moving as a country. And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that. And this book is is a great book that brings all of this out. Like he says here. Bombarded with exaggerated and illusionary promises, people accept it, speaking of Marxism, because they want to. They welcome it because they are convinced of its benefits. 
Convinced how? By the propaganda mm-hmm. that they share about it. It promises hope and change, income equality, all of that, racial harmony and justice based on secular values rather than Judeo-Christian morality. It is known for professing inclusion rather than exclusion and promoting sexual freedom rather than what they view what what they view as a restrictive sexual ethics of the Bible. It is not stifled by uh, allegedly allegedly narrow religious traditions, but espouses progressive ideas that are deemed worthy of enlightened future. It promises social justice, a term that they're going to, he'll talk about later. But anyway, going on on page 82, cultural Marxists seek to capture, capture five cultural institutions, which we talk about yep. social, political, educational, religious, and most importantly, familial life of a nation. Going down um, to right below that, it says, to better interpret what's happening in our culture, we must understand more about Marx himself and his original vision. He, he knew certain foundational pillars must be torn down before the nation could rebuild a new economic, racial, and moral culture. And this is exactly what we've been facing yep. today since the pandemic and, unfortunately, since when, you know, the, um, the, Wayne, uh, the George Floyd issue. What we have seen since then, social political, educational, religious, and familial life being torn down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Defund the police, right? Talking about uh, BLM, mm-hmm. which I'm, I don't want to get into that now, but we'll talk about it later, what right. it really is. And all of these things, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, there has not been injustices against the African-American uh, people. There has been, by far. And both of those things entering into the, the public school systems, yep. what they're teaching, yep. it, it's clearly an agenda that uh, did not fall in line yeah. with the agenda, yep. you know, just a decade ago. Yeah, and what they and what they've done is they 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 played on that um, to really divide, bring division among the ethnicity, ethnic groups, rather than harmony. Mm. Um, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah. I'm not, hey, I, I'm married to an African American, so I know, and she's very vocal about some of the injustices that have happened to their culture, and I totally agree. You know, recently. And in recent history, and it's, yep. it's true. I mean, that's what Martin Luther King walked for, for, for justice and for harmony with all facets of, of ethnic groups. But they played on that to really promote their, their agenda, but they use aggression, mm. right? You saw the aggression that happened throughout our country, which was, I've never seen stuff like that in my entire life living in this country. Is that right? No. That stuff never resolves anything. Because if you, you look at what they did, and try to accomplish as opposed to what Martin Luther King did. All it says was were, were peaceful protests. He had a he had a reason why, and he wanted to make a statement that we want equality too. Mm. And yet they used that, uh, the George Floyd incident, to really become very aggressive within our, our culture, within our communities, and look at the havoc that happened. Yeah. And what did what resolved from that? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing at all. Well, I'm looking forward to next week as we. Uh, dive in a little deeper into yeah. these five cultural institutions that the cultural Marxists yeah. are seeking to capture. Yeah. And, you know, we clearly see today, have you know, a few of them have already been yeah. captured and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and the agendas are, are clearly seen in, in our society, yeah. in our world. And, um, yeah, so excited for, yeah. for next week and yeah. uh, just jumping in, Again, we will continue on in, in this first chapter. Uh, so much content, yep. so much to talk about. Sure. And we're only a few pages in. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to yeah. be good. Yeah, and just we don't want to sit there, I mean, um, share with you guys and make you feel like we're, you know, we're Debbie Downers because we're not, you know. <laughs> we, we need to be on the playing field as the point that we're sharing this because we're giving information about what's what we're heading into. That doesn't mean we sit on the sideline. We need to be in the playing field. That's how we become um, uh, effective and fruitful yep. is not watching what's going on, but taking part in what's happening so that we can make a difference, you know, within our culture, within our society, within our families, within your own churches, whatever church you go to, um, make a difference. Yeah. And hopefully as we go through this book, it will help you to understand the relevance of making a difference as God's called us out of the world and brought us into his life for a reason. Yeah. And that reason is to make a difference for his kingdom. Amen. All right. Father, we are excited. We thank you for this first podcast uh, of the new season, season three. And we ask and pray, Lord, that you guide, uh, of course, Pastor John and I, our thoughts and, as, and, the, and the work that we're going to put in and the, and the research to, to do with the podcast, well, but yet also uh, be open to the Holy Spirit. 
of things that he would lay upon our hearts. And we thank you, the radio listening audience, the audience that are out there that are going to tune into YouTube. We are grateful for uh, your viewership, and we um, welcome any comments or any responses you might have. We're, we're open to that. And like Pastor John said, any prayers you have, above all things, please let us know. We would love to pray for you. I want to thank you also for Rennell, who's in the studio doing all the editing and recording for us. And, and we look forward to see what God has for us, all of us, in season number three as we go through this excellent book called We Will Not uh, Keep Silent. So, Lord, bless our day today. Bless those that are out there listening. And may you use us to be salt and light in the times in which we live as we ask this in Jesus' name. Jesus Amen. Name. Amen.